Now, for most of us, um, I suspect, uh, we have so much that it's hard to imagine having uh, nothing at all. I don't know um, what kind of stories you like. I'm quite into uh, historical sea adventures. Um, I was listening to um, uh, someone called Samuel Leach, uh, his account of um, his life at sea. He signed up as a sailor at age 12. It's a true, true story. Um, at age 12, his dad had died when he was very little. And um, then his mother, who was a widow, didn't have any money um, and uh, no real possessions. So she had to go and work uh, as a servant um, in a, a rich house. She, she couldn't take uh, her son and daughter um, with her. So uh, Samuel went to live with his aunt, who had, get this, 22 sons and two daughters. Unimaginable, isn't it? That'd be a crowded house. I, I imagine some of them have grown up. In fact, some of them had, had, had um, already gone to sea. Um, eventually, uh, she couldn't uh, look after him any, anymore, and uh, he went to live with another aunt who was really mean to him. Um, and during that time, it's perhaps understandable that he developed this desire to, to go to, to sea. Uh, and uh, live independently. Eventually he did, and then he was faced with the cruelty of, of life in 1800 or so um, at sea. And, uh, you know, the floggings and relentless work and no freedom. Now that um, reminds me of what it can be like when you have nothing and um, no one. I don't know what your experience of uh, people facing real desperate need is. Uh, I praise God that there aren't many in positions like Samuel's um, in, in this country uh, today. But there are some who face uh, needs perhaps as uh, significant, perhaps uh, facing other sorts of uh, poverty or hopelessness. The chapter of the Bible that um, Sam just read for us talks of those who are really in need and who are left all alone, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, is particularly describing uh, women, women whose um, husbands have died in a society uh, where women had very uh, little opportunity uh, or prospect. Uh, it shows us who, who uh, where, uh, the chapter shows us how those who are down and out in society's view can find love and care and purpose and support in the church. Do you remember how um, uh, this letter of 1 Timothy describes the church? If you've been with us uh, for several weeks, uh, you you won't have failed to to notice the the key verses of the letter. Uh, Back in chapter 3, just across the page, verses 14 and 15, although I hope to come to you soon, the Apostle Paul writes, I'm writing to you, with these instructions, so that if I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So we had that idea of the, the pillar and foundation of the truth, a bit like um, this. What is this? Nelson's column. That's right. I was waiting for Danny to say something, because he always says something unusual. Um, Nelson's column, so that has a pillar holding up the statue so that everyone can see it. 
So the church is meant to be for the truth of God. It is the pillar and foundation of the truth. But did you notice how else the church was described uh, in that key verse? Uh, How people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So the church, as um, uh, we've already been thinking about today, is to be a family. Uh, Sorry, this is as close as I get to a picture representing that. Um, But the church is to be a household or a family, the family of God himself. And if the church is a family, then it needs to support its most vulnerable members properly. And that's the first point. You'll see it um, at the beginning and end of the passage. There's an outline actually in your word sheets uh, if at any point you feel lost. Um, Hopefully that will help you. But um, it's there uh, in verse uh, 3. We included... uh, reading verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. We read them uh, and thought about them last week, but that reminds us the church is to be like family. Then verse 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. And then at the end, uh, verse 16, the second half, so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. This passage is about supporting those who are really in need. In the first century, widows really would have been extremely vulnerable. Uh, Very few rights, certainly no welfare state. And so the church is to make sure to provide for them. If you were here um, in December, as we studied the Old Testament book of Ruth, uh, this would be a pretty familiar idea. The law of God gave Israel um, uh, various laws... Um, uh, to provide for widows, to provide for those in need. Kinsmen, redeemers, gleaning at harvest time. It's a beautiful picture of God's concern and care for two particular uh, widows who are in uh, very great need. There's in, in, um, and the, alongside the material provision that you find in the Old Testament, there's also an idea of this uh, love and provision going beyond that of financial support. So, Uh, Someone in our church family has reminded me a number of times of a beautiful verse uh, from Psalm 68. Psalm 68 verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Jesus' vision for his followers is that they will be a whole new family. Mark uh, chapter 10 uh, verses 29 to 31 say this, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. People, when they follow Jesus, don't just find a saviour and their God, they find family. That um, radical approach uh, to life, to inclusion and to care of the needy, is actually one of the things that marked the church out in its uh, early centuries. The first few centuries, one of the reasons it gained traction in society is um, because of its care for widows and orphans. Uh, It transformed society, it shaped Uh, Western approaches to the needy. And perhaps because of that, when we read bits like this, we're a bit nonplussed, I think, in terms of how it applies to us. Uh, It's all well and good thinking of the church providing a pension or or support for elderly widows when the alternative is 
destitution, homelessness, starvation, which it would have been. But when um, uh, the state and pensions, uh, life insurance, others provide for the financial needs of most widows, it might feel like this has less to say to us today. Although poverty is less likely to result from widowhood these days, I think there are lots of equivalents, actually, that we need to uh, think about uh, when we are trying to listen to this uh, passage. There is still poverty. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that um, we've made poverty history uh, in this country. Um, And uh, we as a church are setting up a hardship fund uh, to help um, uh, those in need. But there are other issues as well that are uh, endemic in our society, often associated uh, with widowhood, uh, like loneliness. We need to consider, as a church, how we can draw alongside others, perhaps especially single, older folk, and share life. Loneliness is not to be the fate of anybody in church. Despite what our society says, and whatever the reason for it, singleness does not mean loneliness. Not in the family of God. In a sense, those Christian believers who aren't married for whatever reason can't rightly be described as single. Single means on your own, doesn't it? Nobody in God's household is on their own. Let's make sure that's true in everyone's experience here at Grace Church. I guess another um, related issue is is, um, when people face uh, widowhood or old age uh, vulnerability, there might be lots of practical help needed. uh, All sorts of things. Perhaps from um, wardrobe assembly to accessing things online to all sorts of um, uh, very particular practical needs. And the church is to bear one another's burdens in that sort of a way. We're to look after one another. Perhaps we can organise ourselves better in meeting the practical needs of the church. If you've got ideas how to, how to do that, please um, uh, do get in touch. But we need, as, as a church, in our attitude to move towards the expectation that when a member of the church needs help, they will find it from the church. They'll be willing to ask and will receive. Children, this isn't just something for grown-ups. This is something that you can start practicing now. Remember, we were thinking about training in godliness, building up our spiritual muscles by practicing. And well, this is something that you can start doing right now. If someone gets hurt while you're playing, stop and help them. If a younger child wants to join in with a game, involve them, even if it's less fun for you. Looking out for those who are vulnerable is something we can all be doing and doing more and more. By the way, I'm not saying any of those things because they're not happening here at Grace Church. Wonderfully, they have been. And lots of other things that I haven't talked about. Care for those with new babies and house moves and other times of particular need. But it is hard work. And as the church grows, it'll only get harder. 
So will we recommit to being involved in this sort of generous care of one another? The church needs to support its most vulnerable members if it's to be the family of God. But actually, I don't know if you noticed when Sam was reading, perhaps the the most surprising thing about this passage is that most of it is about limiting that support. That's surprising, isn't it? The church needs to support its most vulnerable members, but the church needs to limit its support. That's verses uh, 4 to 16. Uh, It's worth saying that the particular form of support that Paul is specifically talking about is a, a permanent financial support of widows, even though that does help us think about our support of one another in all sorts of different ways. So verse 3, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Support widows who are really in need. He lays out a number of principles or or limits that will enable the support that is given to be genuinely loving, to help those who are really in need. Um, So the the first point, I put it down as the church church family doesn't replace biological family, verses 4 to 8. Perhaps uh, specifically this is about... Uh, who are these widows who are really in need? Um, in order for the church in Ephesus, uh, that the, the Timothy is um, looking after, that Paul is writing to, uh, to, to assume responsibility for a widow, they needed to make sure she, she didn't have uh, children or grandchildren who ought to be doing that, who ought to be assuming responsibility uh, for her care. Uh, so, verse 4, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God. So, in verse 8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. There's a clear call here uh, for grown-ups uh, in our society. We, we, we've often lost sight of this, I think, about the importance of um, caring for our parents and grandparents. In fact, not doing that, Paul says, is denying the faith. We can talk about our spiritual life and relationship with God until the cows come home, Paul says, but if we don't honour our fathers and mothers, as the fifth commandment puts it, then we're showing we don't believe what we say. Children and teenagers, this is for you too. Uh, You have a role in loving your grandparents, perhaps especially, making sure they feel loved, not lonely. It might be there are other people you think would be more fun to spend time with, but it's your job too to love and enjoy and help your grandparents and parents. And Paul says that there is a debt owed by children, grown-up children included, to their parents. I'm not sure I understood this properly until I became a parent. Of course we love our children and um, uh, give freely to them without expectation of repayment. But as children of our parents, we mustn't forget that the, the burden we've been to them, that they've borne, the love that they've shown to us, Someone estimated that on average, um, per child, um, parents spend 638 hours changing nappies. Those with lots of children, I wonder how many days, weeks, months that adds up to. That's just nappies. There's a lot, a lot of 
a lot of work that parents have put into you, and that your parents have put into you. So will we see the burden of caring for our own parents in the right way in their old age, as a joyful opportunity to repay their love and care to some extent? Or will we try and avoid that burden or minimise it or grumble about it? There are lots of ways that, that we might apply that. I, I guess uh, one way of thinking about it, if we're, if we're offered a, a job um, a long way away from our parents, perhaps it would be right to take it. But we also need to think about this when we're considering that. <coughs> Taking care of an elderly relative is a wonderfully honourable and necessary Christian duty. Often it's not seen by human eyes. It, it won't be noticed. It won't be praised often. And it's, I'm not saying it's necessarily right to live with and care for elderly relatives in every situation. Every family situation is different. But we must honour and care for our own family, our own biological family. But verse 5, there are also those who are left all alone, nobody else in this world but God, uh, to care for them. They should be able to rely on the care of the church, family, through whom God provides uh, for them. The church is to provide for those who are really in need, left all alone, not those who have the, the, the care of uh, and support from their biological families. If we don't limit care in this way, then there will be some who sponge off the church whilst already having enough in order to live a more comfortable lifestyle, to get more as much as they can, to live it up, as it were. And verse 6, those people show themselves to be spiritually dead, however much they live it up materially. So, the second thing, the church is to support those who show themselves to be really part of the family. Uh, verses 9 and 10. Have a look down. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Now, this isn't to say that we, as Christians, only show love and generosity to other Christians. Far from it. Um, uh, instead, the idea is, as um, Paul writes elsewhere in Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Good to all, but especially to the family of believers. We are like the Good Samaritan uh, to um, be generous and loving to, to all whom God puts in our path. But like with our own parents we have a special responsibility so we have a special responsibility to those in our church family if we're members here at grace church we have a special responsibility to the other members of the family it's worth saying as well that where our society values youth and novelty and freshness above old age and consistency paul here describes a wonderful model of godly living who is an elderly widow Someone to look at and mimic. So if you're young, please don't write off the older members of the church family. Seek friendship and wisdom and advice from those who followed Jesus for many years, not only from your peers, perhaps other teenagers 
uh, or young adults. And the church is to support those who are, who have shown themselves to be really members of the family, really followers of Jesus. By the way, if we don't do this, if we don't set these limits in our care, we'll end up being both distracted from our primary duty of holding up and holding out the the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of um, uh, eternal life available to all, because we're overwhelmed with all of the practical needs of the world around us. And also we'll encourage people to pretend to be Christian believers. Uh, A phenomenon in the missionary movement uh, called rice Christianity, rice Christians, those who pretend to follow Jesus so they can tap into the provision of uh, the church. So primarily support, uh, financial ongoing support from the church is to be for those who are members of the family. Thirdly, the church is to make sure its support doesn't encourage sin. Uh, Here is uh, the reason why in verse 9 nobody may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60. Uh, Verse 11, as for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their central desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. Not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things that they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, to give the enemy no opportunity to slander. Some of them have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. Do you remember, uh, if you've been here in previous weeks, uh, Paul before warned about those who uh, forbade marriage, didn't allow it. He said that was the teaching of demons. Here we get the opposite. Younger widows could normally get remarried. It, it was possible for them to, to find a husband. And, and so then to do what most women in the first century did, uh, work uh, in the home, uh, domestic life, and have and raise children uh, and look after the home. So Paul says they shouldn't be on the list of widows whom the church is responsible for financing. Because if they are, then he says they're in danger of ending up breaking a pledge, which might mean uh, the promise they've got no other means of support in order to tap into the church's finances. And he says it'll encourage idleness. Remember, there wasn't really an opportunity to do paid work for most women in the first century. Uh, And laziness is a terrible trap. Perhaps many of us need to hear that. Laziness is a dangerous thing to fall into. And so uh, this would lead to sin not only for them, but also for those that they speak to, ending up uh, meddling in all sorts of things, uh, spreading uh, gossip and um, false teaching. We see that fleshed out actually in the next letter to Timothy. Uh, So read up if you want to find out how that works. So instead, for the sake of discouraging sin, the church is to not give long-term support in those cases, even if they are to rally around in the time of crisis, in the event of um, uh, a husband's death. Of course, they should be doing that. Now, today, of course, things are very different from lots of the things I was just describing, but the principle is the same. The church needs to be really careful 
that its generosity does not lead people to sin, that it does not indulge greed or lead to laziness. The financial resources of the church, which are rightly given to those in need, need to be evaluated in terms of their spiritual impact. We want to do good to people materially and spiritually. We need to be careful that our provision doesn't lead to laziness or broken commitments, but rather facilitates godly living and serving. Then fourthly, the church uh, structures of uh, provision are not to replace the care that individuals are providing. That's the first half of um, verse 16. If any woman who's a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them, not let the church be burdened with them, so the church can help those widows who are really in need. The church's resources are not limitless. The money uh, that Grace Church gets is basically that which is donated by its members, although in our infancy there are members of other churches who have very generously given money to us. We need to remember that the resources of those churches aren't limitless either and steward that money well. But it, it means that the church's financial provision for individuals is to be seen as a last resort rather than a first resort. Where you are caring for a Christian in need who isn't your parent or grandparent, please don't stop doing that as a result of what we've been seeing today. It is a wonderful thing that you're doing. It is the Lord's work. Keep doing it as God enables you to, rather than seeking to palm that off onto the rest of the church uh, in order that the church might be able to help others who are really in need. See the idea? The church as a whole is to care for all its members, and particularly to care for those who are most vulnerable. It needs to limit that support carefully, go according to the principles God gives us for the good of the church and for the good of those who are most vulnerable. Not replacing those who are most vulnerable with others who might take what, what should go to them. Not giving those who are most vulnerable um, more license to, to fall into sin. But rather helping and encouraging and providing for those who really need it. That's the way that the church will be helped, that God's kingdom will grow, that the watching world around will see the goodness of God's new community. I wonder if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, how you respond to this picture of Christian family, a community who really does leave no one behind, caring and providing for its weakest and most vulnerable members. I hope you see something of the beauty of the way that things are meant to be, that we are designed to live by God. Because if you do, if you see that, and you know you're on the outside, well, know that God says again and again, even in this letter, that the door is wide open, the door of the family home. You're invited in. No one is turned away. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, described himself as the worst of sinners and that Jesus Christ came to save sinners like him, 
like me and like you. And if you come to him, you'll find that you have gained not only a saviour and a lord and a god, but also a hundred times as many fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and children as you've ever had. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that in your grace you extend to us your loving care and provision in every way, not just for our souls, but for all our needs. Please help us to be a church which does that work of yours, that cares for the most vulnerable. Please help each one of us to be on the lookout for others in need and to not hold your resources that you've given us to ourselves, but to share them. Please would we have a culture of loving and serving one another in every way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.